0: you want to learn about the music industry and you don't know where to go, turn into WP88.7, Brave New Radio. We got managers, producers, record labels. Yeah! Yeah. Yeah. Music Biz 101 and more live from Nashville, Tennessee, the Volunteer State. Make sure you go to our website, musicbiz101wp.com. Sign up for that newsletter. You need to sign up for our newsletter. Follow us on the Instagram, the Twitter, the the Facebook at musicbiz101wp. And of course, we have a podcast which many of you are listening to right now, Mm -hmm. and you found it at iTunes or SoundCloud. Music Biz ampersand 101, no, Music is 101, <laughs> ampersand, more. Music is 101 and more. I'm your professor, David Kirk philp Who are you? I am Stephen Marconi. Dr. Esteban. Yes. And so as you listen, you'll hear a student, you're going to hear a great, great person. But this was a summer class because of William Patterson, the university. So we want to thank Ashley Weltner, who's been our engineer for all of our radio shows yes. over the past year. And she hooked us up with this tremendous technique of recording that we're doing right now. And we should give thanks. So we put our. Uh, hands together, legs together, eyes closed, heads down. Thanks to the folks at Van Dyne Bruno, Inc. and White Hat Management with artists like Charlie Puth, Dave Matthews, and Kith. There's only one place to go for your band's business management. Go to VB-CPA.com when you are ready. And we should all give thanks to Christine Vey, a wealth manager and the president of...
1: <laughs> Oy Vey <they>
0: Management. <laughs> wealth Management. Christine has helped many of our professionals at William Patterson the University to manage their investments and plan out for their retirement. If you're looking for some guidance on how to plan for your retirement, or if you have any questions on anything from investments and portfolio management to insurance, retirement planning, give Christine a call at, repeat after me, 732. 732. 455. 455. 1,510. 1,510. You can also email her, Christine at. Boy. They. Wealth. And take the last oi off for savings. That's right. Many (laughs) shout-outs to many different people, but don't forget managing your band's sixth edition. By the time you hear this, it has been out for a year, but like fine wine, it's aging beautifully. Mm -hmm. It's a book. It's in color. It's got glossy pages. And only a few mistakes. Very few mistakes. (laughs) So you're going to love it. And always contact us us. again. Go to musicbiz101wp.com, and that's where you can find everything out. Again, big thanks to the Music Biz Association for having us here. Yes. And now on to La Interview. Here we are in Nashville, Tennessee, in the offices of Big Loud Entertainment. What'd you call it? Big Loud. Big Loud, just Big Loud. They don't entertain. Being too loud, making sure things happen. That's That's what we're all about. Here with Seth England. And we are also here with two students, Gabriel Garcia, Shannon Diamore. Hello. 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 That's right. Make sure you guys speak up so we all pick down right. And um, both of them are. Gabriel is getting his MBA. No music way. Music and entertainment yeah. and management. Emily yeah. Patterson. And Shannon is has one more semester. She's getting. What's your major? I'm a PR major. Okay. I'm a minor in music industry. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're getting your MBA already. Yeah,
1: it's
2: crazy, right? I yeah.
1: You got that day. Benjamin ben Button as he's going, I'd like, when yes. you said that, when you said that, he's actually, was that? Years old. 80, he's actually 88, oh that's he's why he's so wise old. enough to mm-hmm. get it, right, yeah. okay, right. I got you, and this guy over here, he was the one that came up to me today at the at Music Biz, right. That's right, he walked right up and said, can I do, can we do an interview, can we do a podcast, that's here we are, they well they both did, not, not just, but he caught me because he was like, right there, yeah. he's ready that's to right.
2: go,
0: and he's gotten in trouble a number of times, I had so, okay, so why don't we, you guys, do you guys want to give an intro of who Seth is so that our listeners know on Music Biggest one and more?
2: Well, Seth, I did sit in on your panel uh, this morning and uh, found out that you're from like a small town and we're from North Jersey. Small uh, towns. Close to, like a <laughs> small town in North Jersey, but we do have like New York City being sure. a big thing for us. And now you're here in Nashville, huge uh, metropolitan area. What's your experience been like down here?
1: Well, you know what? I, how, wait, how small? What, what's the town in New Jersey you're from?
2: Wayne. So, 50,000. 50, let, I was going to say, let's yeah. define small for a second. 50,000.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 50,000. I'll give you a guess how many people. What's the population of my hometown?
2: 800. Wait. I was thinking a couple hundred. I'll say a little over
1: 1,000. 300. Oh, 300. wow. 300 wow. people. Close 300 step, people. Man. I took a yeah. step, and I would drive 20 minutes to high school to a town of 3,500 people, 3,500, wow. to go to wow. high school. And it was like, all these other little towns would feed in. That is, a, like, that's the definition of small town, town, rural town in yes. America. Like, crazy. What was the name of the town? In Illinois? So the town I lived in was West Union, Illinois. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And I drove about 15 or 20 minutes to Marshall. So if there's anyone in Illinois, though, that, that maybe kind of knew some of the, the, the small towns, I would always say Marshall. That's where right. I went to high school and right. church and all that. And, you know. yeah. Anyway. Okay. But, yeah, so I wanted to find small town. How okay, far from <laughs> Chicago? Chicago, I'd be four or five hours straight south. But on the same side of the state, actually, right on the Indiana uh-huh. state line, right. Yeah. So if you know where Terre Haute, Indiana, is by chance, that's that really close. Larry Bird, yeah, right? How far Seventy-nine. Were you from um, uh, Thirty minutes. Another ten minutes. Ah, that's where I'd go so to the mall to the movies yeah, to get in trouble. That's
0: the university, university of Illinois, too,
1: right? Uh, no, that's Indiana State University. Really? In Terre Haute, yeah. Anyway, to answer your question, it was a, it was a shock for me at first. Although the one thing growing up. Uh, I traveled a lot with my parents. We, we did a lot of vacations. I'm realizing now as an adult, I love traveling. And I got that from my folks. And so I think through that experience, I saw a lot of places that maybe a lot of small town kids wouldn't normally see. So I think I was a little bit more prepared to move to the city, if you will. You know, the city isn't like New York City, and that's sort of daunting. But it's definitely a city if you're from a small town. And, um, and also, I didn't, I didn't really know anybody. I knew like three people. Re- re- legit new three people one of which oddly enough I don't know how much you know country music was an artist named Brett Eldridge okay. mm-hmm. he and i he he grew up 10 minutes from my high school town he grew up in a town called Paris and i played high school football against his brother and one in one year his um my aunt called me and said there's this kid that sings in our church and she had kind of his details wrong but she said you know your mom said you wanted a roommate i was getting ready to come back for my second summer in nashville she said Uh, Your mom said you need a roommate so you can live closer to town because my first summer I could only afford to live like out by the airport and it was horrible You know, it was just like so far out there and she said Why don't you drive up to Paris and meet him and see if you guys want to be roommates? I didn't know who this person was and he didn't know who I was and uh, I drove up and I met uh, 19 or 20 year old Brett Eldridge. I was the same age and um, He was moving down to go to MTSU Mm -hmm. And we were roommates also with another guy who actually works in that building lee crable who was from a town 10 minutes north of brett if you can believe it we were all from these three small farm towns so i knew him eventually through brett and the three of us moved in over on state street and um that first summer brett and i would uh, it was my second summer his first we were taking meetings with publishers in town together and i was like booking them you know trying to like help him get some of those meetings but they were secretly for me too you know what i mean because i want to get in there and meet these publishers and and we all know what happened to him. He just turned out to be an incredible artist. But yeah, I, I didn't even answer your question at all. But that's kind of my cool. story of what, how I first got here from the small town. Is that
2: counter. how you got your start in music too? Just rooming with him?
1: Or? No, I was I was already in the music business program at that point. Okay. So uh, it was funny when I went to meet him though. I was getting all my nice comments ready, you know, because like, <laughs> how often do you meet someone that says they're a singer and they can actually sing like that? Yeah. that he, I remember that day. I go to his house and we're hanging with his folks. His dad was the president of the bank in their hometown, and so mm-hmm. he was like a visible guy in the community. I knew who he was. So we hang for like an hour, and Brett says, let's go in the basement, play pool, hang out. And we go down there and play, and he's like, okay, can I sing something for you? And I'm like, oh, here we go. And that's just normally how that goes. You know, yeah. like, all right, what, what are the nice things to say who people Or just... Not that many people possess that talent. He goes and gets on a PA and starts singing Brooks and Dunn Believe, and I was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> I'm like, could this you know like the first time you're ever asked to discover talent you don't really have a barometer of that yeah how is this talent so much better than this talent right and so but when I heard him sing I was just like I feel like we're watching someone who's going to be something really big one day and that's not why we uh, remain friends but it was certainly you know at 20 I I meet Brett Eldridge and I'm like man this Mm -hmm. I met Brett before I met Craig Wiseman Mm -hmm. if, if memory serves, yeah that's right so no, I, I was in a music business program though. I think I had the, the same interest he did, if that makes any sense. And so, luckily, by meeting him and meeting Lee Crable, eventually that set by that second summer, I was able to also establish friendships here and like people I would talk to not just about music business. And so, once that kind of starts, you feel like you have some roots planted somewhere, and mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. You, have, you have a life.
0: Mm-hmm. And you were going so. to MTSU too, or were you
2: going? No, to-
1: I was. <coughs> I went to Greenville College in Illinois near St. Louis, so that's why I needed roommates, because I'd come here in the summertime just to intern, and I was, as I said today in the presentation, I would save as much money as I could, so that I could do it full-time when I got here, and, um, but I became friends with, and Lee Crable, by the way, went to Belmont, so when Mm -hmm. I came here that summer, I met so many friends through them, Brett had a bunch of MTSU friends, Lee had a bunch of Belmont friends, so I had a few, and then when I was graduating, many of them, those people were graduating from those schools as well, so. Lot of, mm-hmm. A lot of people who I am friends with now, and many of which are still in the industry, or at least a few of them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So All it's right. awesome, yeah.
2: So how did Big Loud come about?
1: So uh, does the name Craig Wiseman mean anything? It's okay if it doesn't. If not, I'll mm-hmm. so I, I read that. S- yeah, Craig, uh, Craig Wiseman. He is, how do I describe Craig? Do, do you know who Diane Warren is? Sure. Okay. This is my opinion. I don't know if anyone other than me has said, said this, and I certainly have a bias towards Craig, but in my opinion... Craig Wiseman is the Diane Warren of Nashville, Uh to put it in perspective. Um, Matter of fact, in 2014, ASCAP gave Craig what was called the Heritage Award. I think they made it up, I think. But it's still (laughs) an award, which meant it was the most performed country songwriter in the last 100 years. He's that significant, and he's he's my mentor. He's the guy I met, I was saying today, pulling his weeds. Craig started Big Loud Shirt. It was called Big Loud Shirt, and he called it that because that's kind of who he is. He's a big man. wears these loud shirts when you came up the stairs you may have seen the the big shirt he doesn't wear a shirt that big but it's (laughs) a funny over exaggeration of these big and loud just by all the colors and the Hawaiian shirts Um, I call him the redneck Tony Soprano (laughs) but in 2003 Craig had already been in town he was getting cuts by the late 80s and he became one of the biggest songwriters in Nashville 2003 he had sold a catalog and with some of that money he he earned from selling the catalog he invested his own money which is key because not many people do that Mm. to start this company And it was always his dream just to, um, you know, sign young writers that he would give a chance to because he never forgot what it felt like when someone gave him that shot. And and he just saw he could use his uh, abilities and access and all that stuff to give it to other people and and Mm -hmm. those who he really thought wanted it and were hungry. And, you know, and so anyway, so he started that company or this company in 2003, and it was just a boutique publishing company. 2007, I meet him. That was the summer that I moved down with Brett. And... Um, he had had the company going for four years and just trying to figure out their path. And um, by 2008, I had taken an A&R job with him. Yeah. And it was just at this boutique publishing company in Nashville that had some tremendous writers though. It only had, we only had four or five writers at the time, mm-hmm. but we but man, they were knocking them dead. It was it was awesome. It was just some of the best writers in town and we just, one song plugger with these four or five guys mm-hmm. and we were just having, having a lot of luck mm-hmm. through that. Uh, it was always Craig and I's vision to start an artist development company. And, um, you know, Craig would joke around saying it's my dream to have, you know, uh, all the nice cars from the successful songwriters and the bands and trailers in the lot of the young aspiring artists and we would all work together, which is what we're doing now, you know. But he, um, we had this vision and and we met uh, a guy named Joey Moy, I talked about that today, and his manager, Kevin Zarook, everyone calls him Chief. And um, to make that long story short, the four of us started... Big Loud, the, what you know as Big Loud now. Mm-hmm. We rebranded Craig's publishing company, Big Loud Shirt. We lumped it all in together and created Big Loud. Mm-hmm. And Chiefs an artist manager, so we have a few artists we manage on the mm-hmm. roster. Um, we still have our publishing company, mm-hmm. which has grown now to 15, 16 writers, I think. And then we have our record label. Now all this has happened since sure. 2007. We we you know the record label will be three years old August 1st. Mm-hmm. So that's that's brand new.
0: When, when you sign somebody to a publishing deal are you signing them to a recording deal are they mutually mutually <laughs> exclusive
2: is that his?
1: nope um, it, it's um, man some gr- some girl today in the um, in the panel just stood, stood right up and asked me the direct. it was awesome just about the business side of it which is awesome but no to answer your question no we have we have some clients that are just on the management roster mm-hmm. we have some that are just on the record label we have some that uh, may only be on the publishing company but traditionally those are the writers and producers the artists that are on the publishing company most likely are in business with us on the record side
2: mm-hmm. but that's
1: only if, that's only if we met them at their infancy stage does that make sense mm-hmm. yeah. it's an opportunity just to, to to fund them and and, and get the, on the publishing side and also develop their craft mm-hmm. so but the short answer is no we don't have to be you don't have to be with us for multiple companies it just so happened that over time we became that you know we were a publishing company first and by nature of super serving someone, we added a management division. I never really wanted to be an artist manager if I'm being completely honest. It, it really wasn't. We were just supposed to be the publishing company and production house of Florida Georgia Line. And, um, when, when we were recording them to sign, they were talking to a few other managers and I think that they would come to this building and strategize with me all day and talk about their dreams and what they wanted to do and then they would go do their management meetings and then they'd come back over here to dream and strategize. And then you know I'd go to their shows with them and some of these Aspiring managers of this young band, Florida Georgia Line, would come out to the shows and finally, in a van going back to Nashville, I was in the van with them. They were just like, Dude, you're our man. Like, you just manage mm. us. And for a minute there, we didn't know what the identity of our company was going to be. Mm. We never wanted to. We didn't think we were going to take that level of service on you. Yeah. Know? We didn't know. And um, for a minute there, even Craig was like, I'm not sure about this just on the management side. Um, but when we pulled Chief into the mix, who was a manager, we were like, Look, we actually could do this if they want to be in our building. And and dream all this up together, and that was the best decision we ever made. Because yeah. from that we've now become business partners in ways and other things, that ventures they're into, and and vice versa. So I'm glad we I'm glad we made that decision. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. you know, as far as me personally, my background was always music. I just wanted to make records and you right. know the videos that go along with them and all the vi- You know the, the the most fun parts that I was just always the into creative that creative part. The creative part. I was always so into that. I'd never intended to to be an artist manager. It just right. kind of came out of and then the next artist came along, uh, a successful artist from Canada that Joey and Chief were friends with, so he joined. They kind of managed him, and I helped him with his music, and then we found Chris Lane. And Okay, we don't have a manager, I guess we'll just, we now have a management company, <laughs> let's,
0: mm-hmm.
1: let's do all this, so.
2: So how many people work here?
1: Um, between songwriters, staff, artists, and partners. And managers? And managers, yeah, yeah. Forty? Uh, Forty now. Now, as you know, you know some of the clients. that don't have offices here. They come and go. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I would say about forty. Our our Christmas party this past year was shockingly big. <laughs> it, was, it was like okay, we got to move this to like a different location next time. I think this is yeah. this is getting too big. Well,
2: that's good. It's a good problem to have. Yeah, I, I'm actually thinking about uh, the A and R title that you had uh, with like going out, promoting shows, finding talent. There's so much music. being created and I know you spoke about using your gut and your ears to kind of like say I really like the direction this artist is going in, I like their sound and yes you have the data Mm -hmm. to kind of like help you make some of these decisions Mm -hmm. but why do you rely on like your sense of I guess taste or what you like to make these decisions over just the numbers per se
1: Man, that's a, that's a great question. I do have an answer for that. I'm trying to think the best place to start. Um, well, one thing I said today in the panel was, you know, I, I made a joke that, uh, you, you know, even when we, when we have a record that has great data behind it and we may use that as a promotion tool, right, I, I, I really prefer, if I can, to use data primarily as a promotional tool, right? We got to call these radio stations and they may only have 20 slots to play of, of all the current country music coming out, just to give you that answer real quick. That's my favorite place to use it. When we've released records who who is a young artist that inspired us based on gut and feel and we just felt it that we would give you know our entire day and night to work for this artist, that's the one I want to sign. And th- this is my ideal scenario, right? And then once we launch them, I just I'd love to know the data. I think it's it's foolish to not look at it. If I'm going to call radio stations and say you need to play this artist, let's be honest, over these other artists, here's why the, the, the most bulletproof argument you can have or, or debate or or can, is data. If you're winning on the data, because they're, they're they're starting to look at it, you know, they, mm-hmm. they they're gonna play the biggest records. They're not they don't take too many chances on records, especially if they don't react on radio. That's since the beginning of the music business, it's primarily been that way. Certainly, there's yeah. examples of stuff getting through, but um, okay. So why do I sign artist based on gut? Is because they don't come on radio, though. You know what they don't do? They don't take the data I give them and tell Des Moines, Iowa. Hey, I just got a call from the record label, and this this record has a lot of data, so you should like it. Here, here it is, right? You don't hear that. You say, mm-hmm. "This is this artist from this," you know, "this is the brand new Morgan Wallen song, Up Down, right here on whatever the Big 98 WSIX in Nashville, right?" And they just hit play, and from that point on, the fan keeps it on, or they change the channel. it, it you know what I mean? So, having said all that, I think that if you're going to be an A and R person, a you need to love music. You, you you know my, my girlfriend well if she rarely gets mad at me over anything but if she does she'll say you're always on Spotify you're, she thinks I'm looking at my business stuff you know I'm like no I'm on Spotify because I'm a music fan <laughs> and I, I just go through these playlists seeing if there's I'm just always ready to find the next great song I want to tell my friends about so I think I think a you have to know that you're genuinely a music lover I think when you go take a job to do A and R you have to you have to understand I tell our staff this sometimes you have to at least have a real Understanding of the of the sandbox that you play in you know what I'm saying you got to know where all four corners of the sandbox are So if we're talking about country music What are the outlets that traditionally break country artists? Well radio is the number one radio is massive now We do have a lot of other mediums that we didn't have even three years ago, you know all the DSP apps Spotify Apple Amazon Mm -hmm. um, Certainly television networks, CMT Vivo these all factor into breaking an artist now, so you just need to understand the sandbox you play. And how do you understand that? Sometimes you go look at it in, in a sense of a chart. Here are the songs from 1 to 50 that are working. And then let's go click through them. And let's, you know, you should know every one of those songs that every company in town is promoting. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? As much as you know your own, you need to know the competitors I'm putting that in. I don't see them that way. So all that to say, once you have a clear understanding of that, and you absolutely love music, and you feel like you can differentiate a good song versus a great song and why, and, and and what kind of people in America you think this will affect cuz you got to answer that question or if they, you're in America, right? right? Then you're able to go look at artists and try to sign them. And and when you're at a show, the things I'm not thinking about, I'm I'm not trying to confuse you. I just know what the sandbox is, right? And and when you go to the show, you don't 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 try to, you know, intellectualize creativity. Wait for the moment to hit, if if that artist sings a song and you're just like, "Wow." Mm. Holy smokes. And it and it reaches you, and it makes the hair on the back of your, back of your neck stand up, your arm or your gut, whatever, wherever you feel it. Because you know what I'm talking about. When a great Has a song ever made you cry? Of then, it, then you feel it. Then you can feel it. Has a song ever made you laugh? Has a song ever made you text your friends and say, you got to hear this? That's how you know. And, and I use this analogy sometimes to, to eating, which is the most obvious human nature. right? If you love steak, and you decide you're going to eat steak every single day, I promise you, it's, there's a steak out there that still exists. That you, you know, you get you'd get sick of steak, right? Eating it every day. I promise you, there's a day that comes that you'll eat a steak and you'll be like,
2: whoa, this was the one. that's how I know yeah.
1: that that is the best steak that exists out here. You know what I mean? Or the steak yeah. I'm gonna when I get hungry for steak again, I'll just come back for that one right. to not waste my time on the other ones. Same thing in business. You got you, you got to feel it. I don't, You know, if you decide to sign it, you got to work with it every day. So, you know, do we have a relationship with all artists? The same? No, but certainly you want to why would we sign something if we weren't ready to go fight for it you know you got to be passionate about it so that, that's all I mean it's a very long winded answer but that is how mm-hmm. for me that is how I ultimately get to the place to, to sign something and to be honest with you the most powerful and a very respectful way is no the word is no this is not you know what I mean let's, yeah. let's not if I've got you know I don't want to I don't want to uh, I don't want to disguise a bunch of Prada with a bunch of Payless I don't mean that disrespectfully to the artists I'm just saying Right, and, and, and in a record label, you you, know, you want all your artists to be these superstars, and so let's make sure we devote our time to those people we really think could be stars.
2: Um, I wanted to talk about one of your most recent signings, um, Mason Ramsey, who was yeah. the Doodling Boy. Mm-hmm. Um, what was like your inspiration behind signing him? Like, do you think like based on a viral video, like signing him can go nope. far?
1: Nope. Okay, so here's the Mason Ramsey story, which <laughs> I I didn't know we were going to be doing this. This is the first <laughs> time I've actually, I may have publicly told this story because I mean it's, it's behind it's the scenes stuff yeah. it's, but it's fresh yeah. so um, it's ACM weekend uh, you guys watched the ACM awards that were in Las Vegas yeah. it was Academy of yeah. Country yeah. Music yeah. Awards um, we were there all weekend to my recollection Mason did the epic yodel at Coachella
2: yes. on the yes.
1: Friday mm-hmm. going into that weekend and it lit the internet up right was
2: one of mm-hmm. the most tweeted him and Beyonce, him and, Beyonce. Yeah. and it was
1: going crazy so naturally all of Nashville and country music were together in Las Vegas so it was the buzz of the weekend everyone was talking about it no one was really scrambling on the business side of it yet Mm -hmm. and I'll tell you the main reason is because I think everyone assumed it was novelty yeah that's what everyone still assumes now but the one thing the reason I signed it you'll hear in the story is because I had a chance to do the due diligence had I not had a chance to do that I'm not sure that I would have just you know what I mean just Mm -hmm. chased it to chase it Um, that was Friday (coughs) everyone's talking about it over the weekend I was there with Florida Georgia Line, who was there to play "Meant to Be" with BB REXA. BB REXA's A and R guy for this upcoming music is a good friend of mine named Jeff Levin at Atlantic Records, and I know another guy there, Ian Cripps. I'm only calling them out because they're very much a part of the story. <laughs> and we're back there at dresser rehearsal now on Sunday of the ACMs, and Jeff walks up to me and says, "Hey, do you have any vocal producers in Nashville that could?" a vocal on, he said, a vocal on the Yodel Boy tonight. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I said, I thought he was here at the ACM. He was supposed to be doing the Yodel with Reba just as a bit on the show. He didn't do that, by the way, to go home, to go to Nashville to play the Grand Ole Opry. Because that yeah. meant more to him than anything you could have done in national TV. I still wish he realized at the time he could have played the Grand Ole Opry. <laughs> uh, anyway, so Jeff comes up, and I start talking to him about it. I'm like, tell me more. And he's, and he's basically explaining that he has these two managers, Danny Kang and uh, Dan Wad and their phones. I think Danny Kang. I think this. I don't think this was a joke. So many record labels were calling Danny Kang after the after the yodel that he literally had to shut off. Mm-hmm. He's like, I couldn't use it. My phone just kept people trying to get in touch with the management, and he said we were feeling a little overwhelmed because we knew he was a country artist, but we had yet to figure out who we were going to work with in Nashville. Mm-hmm. So the NR friend of mine. I'm sorry this long winded, but this is how this is why how we got there. He comes to me and he says. Uh, we have a vocal producer do this for Mason. I said, well, I don't really use vocal producers in Nashville. I work with Joey Moy. Joey's the, in my opinion, he's the biggest country producer out there right now. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm happy to call him. And and by the way, I'd be lying if I didn't say, and I told, the, told this to Joey on the phone. I said, Mason Ramsey's in Nashville. I want you, to, would you be willing to take a couple hours, tops? He'll come in and meet you. They've got a song. They had another song um, that they wanted him to sing and um, would you just try to cut the vocal? Well, Joey, I had for 30 minutes thought I was messing with him. He's like, you're (laughs) lying, he's like, you're lying. The yodel boy, I was like, I'm just telling you, he's about to show up to the studio, could you please be ready? He's like, yep. So they call me back, I go back to my hotel room. The the managers, when they call me, they also said, tomorrow in Los Angeles, let's meet with you. We don't know a whole lot about Nashville, and our buddies say that if we're gonna go make music, we should should at least have a meeting with you and, and learn about what you and your company do. I was like, great. So I went back to my hotel room and I was getting ready for the ACMs, getting my suit on and all that stuff. And my girlfriend happens to work in publishing at BMG, so she was getting her makeup done. And I told her what was going on. I said, I need to scramble and find four or five songs for Mason, original songs for Mason Ramsey. I have a meeting tomorrow with his managers. I'm gonna play them some demos that I think would be good for him to record. They said, okay. The managers called me back and they said, we got one problem. Because he was 10 minutes from the studio at this time. Right, we got one problem. Mason no longer likes the song that we had found for him. Oh, no. And the song was just okay, by the mm-hmm. way. The song was good. I don't know if I would say it's great, but they were doing what they are supposed to do, just make it happen. Mm-hmm. I said, okay. Uh, I said, well, I'm sitting on a few songs right now that I was going to play you tomorrow to show you some examples of songs I think would work, what we do. Can I send you one and see if it maybe saves the session? And they were like, yep. So I sent it to Danny and Dan, and they called me. It was famous. And I just said, look, I got this, I got this song. It was published in-house that we had, I said, I was going to play it for tomorrow, hear it now. They heard it, called back, and were freaking out. And they were like, no way. And I was like, seriously, the song's available. Go to the studio and do it.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask about that, actually, because
2: didn't Florida Georgia Line co-write that song yeah. also? Yeah, so
1: the reason we had that song was because um, we have already recorded 15 songs for what will be FGL's fourth studio album, mm-hmm. and Tyler uh, had written that with Corey Crowder, Sarah Bucks, and Kanan Smith, just two months ago, even today, just probably two months ago, they wrote that. He had sent BK and I the demo. We all loved it, but we just didn't know if we were going to add more music to the album. Tyler, one thing you should know, Tyler writes, and BK, I'm sorry, they both write 100 songs a year, Mm -hmm. you know? So they're only going to use 10 or 15 at most, and even if they they don't even write all their own stuff, they still take outside songs because they want to have a bunch of options, right? So that's the one thing about him to know is he's such a pro writer, Right? These guys have had so many cuts with other people um, that they both think like that. So they were fine with it. They knew. They, 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 That's they, awesome. They, they get just as excited about this. So anyway, long story to wrap this story up. Mason comes to the studio. I like he had 10 family members with him that night. <laughs> and um, come to find out, he'd never been in a vocal booth. Oh, wow. Never. He had never been in a vocal booth. Just a and Walmart. so we had no <laughs> idea, right? And Joey keeps texting me. He's like, you're going to be surprised how well this kid sings. We had just met him. Joe, I hadn't met him. Joey had just met him. I hadn't even met him. He's like, you're going to be so surprised how well this kid sings. And so no one was really like, we were like holding our breath. Mm-hmm. By Tuesday, we'd gotten the first comp of Famous, and they sent it to me. And talking about the feeling, I was just like, I, I remember, I, I, we were at the Sunset Marquee Hotel by then in LA, Tyler was there, and I texted him. I was like, okay, I just got a comp, I'm gonna listen to this, you wanna come over and hear this Like at the same time? And we set the phone down on the table, and we, you know, we're like both looking at each other like, oh great, here we go, right? Mm-hmm. Well, we got the yodel boy on the <laughs> song, let's see what this is. Yeah. We had no idea, or expectation, we hit play. And I'll be damned if that kid didn't start singing that song. And it was like, it made me feel something. I was like, you know what? Holy smokes, how timely could that be for a kid who just went through what he just went through? Because, by the yeah, way, it you, all need
0: to, so fast. you need
1: to know his story to understand why this experience was so relevant for him, mm-hmm. right? So anyway, so I was sitting there thinking, holy smokes, we got to go. And that's what, you know, we, we called Atlantic back and said, because this was going to be the biggest deal of the year. And we called him back and said, you know, I I know we're not partners with you guys or anything, but we're certainly loyal people and you put us on this. We never would have met him had it not been for you. Let's do this deal together. And it's been uh, such a joy that we did. Then I got to meet Mason. Oh boy. (laughs) I can tell you, assuredly tell you right here, right now, Mason Ramsey, because you haven't got a chance to meet him. This kid will be at 15, 16, 17, 18, whenever he blossoms into a young man uh, he will be one of the most talented young artists you've ever met. The kid can sit down on a guitar by himself and play almost 20 Hank Senior covers flawlessly mm-hmm. on guitar and sit there and just sing them over and over and over. I, he's got the personality of, of the rare ones. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But he's also got a, a lot of humility and he's humble. He can handle it. And um, his story is unbelievable. His story, the, 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 the craziest thing to me about Mason is two things. The way he dresses. <laughs> that's authentic because he was raised in a town of 700 people by his grandma and grandpa. Mm -hmm. And that's the way grandpa dresses. And he sings the songs grandpa liked because he he, he grew up in their home. The second thing is, and I'm sure it's getting more, he's getting more and more aware, but, but even to Mason, these are my words, not theirs. Mason understands that he's getting fame, no pun intended, but he has no barometer of it. Uh He doesn't use the internet at home. Like he, 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 He's so a young he has boy. no idea. Right. So when you when you go post something on Instagram, you can you can go, you know, A, B, how many likes this one got versus this one. That tells you, well, this picture was more popular. You have a, you now have a barometer of popularity, right? right? Mm-hmm. If you're an artist, you can say, well, I have this many followers on this social media platform versus this many. I must be a more pop. He has no idea. I'm sure now he's starting to, his family's showing him and starting to, and they're showing him all this in the right amount of ways. But it's yeah. also a good thing, right? Because what does social media do to kids? They just tear them up. Yeah he's young young they just tear him up and the thing that most people don't know is at least as of late he still doesn't have the barometer which is a pure thing it's pure he can be who he is
2: just create
1: everything you see is who he is there's nothing like yeah. the, the kid would come in here and run this room he's got one-liners like he's a comedian <laughs> he, he, he's the best and he will be over time mm-hmm. I, I just see this little musician at 11 he needs to move to nashville and probably go to belmont because the kid <laughs> is going to be probably a super producer one day. It's
2: just so crazy how he went from, like, a Twitter video to Ellen to the Grand Ole Opry to Coachella, like, all within, like, a month.
1: Yeah, and kudos, by the way, to uh, Danny Kang and, and Dana Watt and their team because they found – I think they were a part of a team, if, I'm, if I remember this right, that found the first video of him on Twitter when his account still had 100 followers. Wow. And they sent it to each <laughs> other. And I was like, oh, my God, would you look at this kid? <laughs> and then and, it just blew up. And their team looks for people like that. D- these And, and – you know, that's a good lesson, going back to A&R, to never forget. I don't know about, well, to never forget, but there's people all over this country that are, that are the most talented people we may ever encounter. I can tell you right now, Mason Ramsey may be one of the most talented. I'm not saying that because we've signed him. He may be one of the most talented human beings I've met. Mm-hmm. At a, and I had the pleasure to meet him at 11. And we'll yeah. have the pleasure to watch him grow up and and see who he becomes one day. I, and, and I think we all think he will become a great, he's surrounded by a great family. But... There's still people in this country in a small town that, that they don't they, they they do the things they have access to do. Let me go yodel at the Illinois Opry and then Walmart, the aisle of Walmart, and over here and I'm a kid and I I'm in a town of seven hundred people. But we do live in a world where a video can penetrate that fast yeah. and can get to all of us. And I think it's I actually think it's kind of a beautiful if you really think about it, that's a beautiful thing and it means there's an opportunity for everybody.
2: Yeah.
1: Being having humility and humble and us taking him at the right pace, that's all of our choice. Mm-hmm. We just gotta do it the right way. You know what I mean. You don't need to run the kid in the ground, and that's not at all on the plan. Yeah. He's loving this.
0: So he's signed to Atlantic and Big, Big Loud
1: as a, as a record label. Yep. Yeah.
0: Right. So is that basically a 50/50, or you, how do you work out a deal like that? Have well you ever sh- done that type of deal with another label?
1: Um, well, certain. You know, so we're an independent record label, and, and independent record labels traditionally may need services from other record labels like radio. during their growth state. Yep. However, we don't. In in uh, Sorry, you just asked about radio. We have our own radio team. Mm-hmm. So, in a way, we are, quote unquote, specialists in the field. The way this deal worked out, and and in Mason Ramsey's case, he was a global entity from day one, right? That this song was on, uh, hot hits in the UK. I mean, it was, it was blowing up in Australia and, and in Canada. It's it's big. So, um, uh, big loud. We cover. Uh, The U.S. and Canada, especially in country radio and country music, and we do the A and R here and work with our songwriters. And Atlantic's really helping us get a wide-reaching global presence. If that makes sense, that's why we would do that kind of deal. Um, Now, as far as we go for an independent label, we have, um, you know, like I said today, we're kind of in the golden age of the music business, or I feel it's coming back. We have definitely staffed up and tried to get it to where we can rely on our own people. Nothing is better when you can get to that place. You know what I mean? It's sure. um, No matter how great your partners are. And we've had some good ones, and we've had some bad ones, but and Atlantic's been an amazing partner thus far, right? And and we get to see um, what that global, wide-reaching, massive entity can do, and um, we're getting the, we're seeing the benefit of that right now. But certainly, we want to for all the rest of our roster too. Like, you know, these are homegrown products that we've, we're really proud of, and we have all the services to to get those artists where they need to be. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so
0: it's an international deal, or is it Big Loud? We you the say He signed a Big Loud. No, no, Everywhere it's international. No, 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 we're partners
1: community. for the world. Okay. Yep, yep, because we're making all the music here, right? And and, and and we're working with country radio on it. And press, there's there's um, half his press and publicity team is here, because we do that, um, especially for in genre. So no, we're. Um, it was a great opportunity because the one the one way that deal that was interesting too was we actually, if you remember in that story, we recorded the vocal on Mason on a song that we did here in house, yeah. and th- once we got that, I had that song in Los Angeles later that week and i went to meet with craig kalman and julie greenwald mm-hmm. just so happened i was like no one else all these other record labels are coming after him hasn't heard this yet listen mm-hmm. and and back to the gut no, there was no data that said this was worth it right. there was no data that song just came on the room and you're like oh my god this is you knew this is going to be this this feels really special and it was unanimous you know and, and when you have moments like that and everyone's we were all jumping up on top of tables going think about what we could do For this family and for him, you know, and then I came, like I said, came back to Nashville to meet him. But yeah, it was, um, you know, we're 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 a young but hungry spark plug company, and we can really, um, we offer some services here that uh, some other companies have yet to or don't. You know, if you walk the halls of our building, you actually meet most of our artists because they're always here creating, scheming. We offer um, media rooms and gear where we can do so much content on site, and I feel like that's what the modern day record label should be. And so entertainment company yeah. and that's what we were geared and, and are geared to do and I found that um, we're not the only one out there like that but we, we might be two or three years ahead of the rest in that model if, if you will just because we we believed in that and we were from day one we didn't have any artists we had to just we had to we had to scrape and grind and make it work and uh, when we were trying to come up with our own answers those areas <laughs> seem to be the ones that we we're like let's let's staff up here let's let's get a big content team you know and it works really well not only for Mason who, who That's a key area for him, but all of our other artists as well.
0: Mm. In the panel this morning, you brought up Motown. Yeah. And the structure of Motown, mm-hmm. Barry Gordy was running it. Um, he had studios, he had the label, he had publishing. That's right. Similar to what you guys have. Exactly yeah. what we have. Mm-hmm. There were obviously some times, and there's no accusation here, but yeah, yeah. think about money, that's what I want, which was uh, written by Barrett Strong. Yeah. yeah. Um, Barry Gordy actually, because of the publishing wrote took away Barrett strong mm-hmm. from the copyright on that and right. uh, basically put his name down mm-hmm. instead and Barrett strong only earned money from the performance when he played it live that's right basically. Um, is there uh, in terms of having that sort of structure is there ever the concern from an artist or from a, an attorney for an mm-hmm. artist saying I don't know if I want you to you guys to be the manager plus right. the publisher plus the label right um, just because of what's happened mm-hmm. in the past yeah so how do you get around that and how do you
1: yeah I should have clarified it was funny. I said that I realized that um, when I say the Motown, when I say the Motown reference, I, I still have to clarify what I mean by that because there was that unfortunate stigma that they did have and it wasn't it wasn't private that they did have some a lot of lawsuits and issues sure. over over publishing contracts. And really, let me address that for a second. I think the difference is, you know the music business n- didn't necessarily just start then. But it was certainly Still the infancy of, of what we now know, if you really think about it, right? Uh, uh, I don't know, think of any other industry that has gone on for, for you know hundreds of years already. You know what I mean? It is agriculture or, or, or the steel industry, whatever it is, coal mining, I don't know, name it, where all of those things had, have been worked out over time, right, I, I, I don't know this for a fact because I don't know those people at all, but I assume that um, at that time, who knows if Barry Gordy knew what he was doing was wrong, taking some of these songwriters' rights? But what what you were referring to was he had these more or less just, not, you know, work for hire, these agreements with these with these songwriters who had a, who had an immense talent as songwriters, maybe not artists. He could take those songs, give them to the artists. We still do that today. He just didn't incentivize those songwriters properly, and it wasn't until years later that unfortunately many of those songwriters of massive hits you'd assume, wow, you must. You know what i mean if, if you if you saved wisely you you must be your life must be set. <laughs> they're like why well, I, I didn't save wisely because i never had the chance i never the money never he gave came to guys, me you know he gave me a
0: car and yeah right yeah. well and,
1: and and by the way at the time yeah, maybe, maybe he did know what he was doing when he, when he did that i'm differentiating that just to say that we now live in an age where you could never you know what i mean and we're, and yeah. we're not those people uh, certainly those people still live among us but they don't last long in this town because it, it's pretty hard it, you know 2018 now and and thankfully even the the law governs it much more than it did at that time yeah. so okay so having said all that I should have clarified today cuz I said we're like Motown I bet guys like you were like oh no <laughs> <laughs> um, what I mean by Motown is the dynamic what I loved about what they did and and once you get back to what you were saying earlier about the A&R once you get really deep in the weeds of A&R and figure out how it works you realize you realize how many components have to be there, right? You have to have, you don't have to have, but in the best case scenarios, you most likely have a charismatic personality and voice who's the front person of their solo career, a band, whatever it is, right? They are the voice that kind of carries the brand. <coughs> and, and the best ones sing hit songs. And nine times out of 10, in my experience, it's rare that personality and voice who's in that band will be the sole creator of those hit songs and productions that then we hear as the, the final product. That doesn't mean they may not—they may be involved in all of them, sure. But they might have a producer, or a really great engineer, or a really great whatever, right? A&R person who helps them find songs. All of those. There's so many people behind the scenes, even in the creative process, that that are necessary. So I kind of touched on this today in the, in the panel the reason I liked the, I liked the Motown model is is, you know, they were the young scrappy guys too. They had to find the answers. And if they had just started the record label first and didn't supplement their creative process with other talents, other amazing talents who could help these art then they would have just had a bunch of charismatic artists with bad songs. You know? <laughs> and, and 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 we we wouldn't, you know, if the temptations didn't sing what, you know? Name one. Name one of however many. How, that's that's when we talk about the temptations. And no disrespect, this is my fault. I don't know if I could name individual members of the band. I should be able to, but I could name songs. Yeah. I can name you. You know what I mean? I can name, and and the way it makes me feel. And I, that's why, that's why I've always, if I had to choose, which thankfully we don't, but if I had to choose, I would always pick the song. i all. I would always pick the song because I've lived moments now where I've worked with artists that the entire town said they would never be anything and then they come out with a song like Cruise, and it changes their entire perspective. You know what I mean? And it, and it sets them on a course now that they have opportunity to follow that up. And at any moment they don't follow it up, the train will start slowing down just a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know That's why I purely think, not purely, but it, it's so much dependent on hit songs. So much is dependent on hit songs. So that's why we built this model the way it is. As the industry grows right now, I've seen some friends of mine who may be an A&R person at a, at a standalone record label, and they are that role to the artist. And they got to help them pick their best songs. They have to have match them up with great songwriters and producers. And then they got to go find them songs. Mm-hmm. Well, if it's, if it's brand, where this, to me, makes the most sense, if it's brand new, unknown artist X, Y, or Z, they're going to be competing for the, for the same pool of songs that I'm going to be competing for, with unknown songwriter X, Y, artist X, Y, and Z, unless... I have my own pool of songs, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I have my own farm team who's helping us grow it. That certainly doesn't mean we always get first right at those songs because we represent all those songwriters and producers as well, and we get songs cut all around town. You know, we were that kind of company before we were a, a record label. It just means that if, if the entire process, my young artists have access to the A-plus big-name songwriters that they want to get with anyway, and they can get that here on day one, that until you're sort of in the weeds on that process, that one key right there is so huge, is so huge, and that's exactly what Motown did. If you go back and look at the mm-hmm. discography credits of some of those writers and producers, they were some of the best of all time. Oh, yeah. They were some of the best of all time, and, and and I'm assuming, I'm assuming Barry Gordy would agree with what I would. Maybe my philosophy is a big, a, a big song can launch a small name. Small song can kill a big name. I bet he pr- was probably yelling that up and down the halls anyway, you know. And and um, sometimes I, you know, I don't struggle, but if an artist brings me a song and says I want to put this out, and it just doesn't feel like the one that's going to make the un the unsuspecting listener, the one who didn't get to have that meeting with us to know their motivation, mm-hmm. you, you know what I mean?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Two people are driving in the car, and it's like they didn't they didn't they didn't know that why they wanted to put it out. You know what I mean? They just know it's coming through their speakers, and it makes them feel some way, or it doesn't. Mm -hmm. and not to be too brash about it but that's the truth it's for commercial music anyway so react
2: to it yeah
1: and so i feel one way uh, we can affect that change this again is a long answer but we can affect that change is by offering them tools they may not have somewhere else and there's other companies that have maybe a similar structure or model but we again might be two or three years ahead of everybody just in that in that way and actually we built the publishing company uh for fifteen years, no, excuse me, for, for twelve years, before we started the record label, so we had years and years that we were only a company who made outgoing calls instead of just stopping for a second. A brand new song came in and said, "You know what? Let's give let's let's see if Morgan Wallen likes this song. Let's see if Chris Lane or, or Florida Georgia Line or Jake Owen or whoever. Mm-hmm. I feel that that um, in addition to many factors that are going to run a successful company. I feel like that model for us has served us very well. And when I was going through the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and stopped and reread Detroit. Motown, I was like, man. And they certainly weren't the only only ones. You know, the Sun Records team, they had their team too. but They weren't the only ones, but they were the ones who... Stacks. Stacks. And yeah, matter of fact, that's a good point. They they weren't the only one. That's just the one I seem to really, I don't know, focus on a bit. Maybe I should pick another one since they had (laughs) so many bad deals. The deals, though, um, I had a girl stand up in the panel today and just ask that question. I don't know if you noticed that. I was like, Dang, someone's been too. their Motown chapter. <laughs> um, Man, we couldn't be more fair here. And and I, m- matter of fact, if I'm pitching to an artist, I never, my pitch is never, you have to be all here. No
0: 360.
1: No, 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 mm-hmm. no. Matter of fact, they, there's a few artists on our, our label who I could not be more fond of their management. Matter of fact, I, from, if I have my record label hat on, I want, I want artists. I want artists on our on our record label to have the best manager they can find, whether it's us or anyone. It does not matter to me. Sure. You know what I mean? Because earlier, when I, I want to go make records, and I want them, when the records come out, I want them to be promoted and managed properly. And I don't want anything falling through the cracks. And so, I, that is my philosophy on management. And if you need us to do it, we're happy to do it, and we're there for you. But it's never a requirement. Not not at all. We have many examples where we're not doing that. If we do get in business, it's actually in in in. Actually, in most, no, in all cases, on our management company, if there's only two management clients who are also on the record label. That's right. And the reason for that is, is, you know, a Chris Lane, we met a young Chris Lane playing a three-hour cover set at a St. Patrick's Day party in Greensboro, North Carolina, right? Creating regional steam, but far, far, far from the distance it's going to take us to get to he's now had three gold records you know that's the, the, been it's been like five years in the making and we're just get, we feel like we're just getting some of the traction he was looking for in the first place you know the reason we did that was just because it was kind of back to that brian and tyler story it was that infancy vision and there's a lot that happens in that infancy vision you know if, if i'm just a record label A&R guy i'm usually meeting artists who are kind of out of that they they They've yes. probably gone through the infancy oh, yeah. vision a little yeah. bit. Yeah, maybe they will stroll in here with the manager and going, hey, this is this is who sh- he, she, or they are. This is what they're about. This is what their music sounds like. These are the things I like to sing about. These are the types of people we think are going to love this. And it's all like, check, 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 got it. Conversation with a young Chris Lane in Greensboro, North Carolina, at St. Patrick's Day party. It was like, I don't, I don't know, man. I just <laughs> I love entertaining. Yeah, you're good at it. I can see that. Now, what else are we gonna do? How you know what I mean? Like we're we're still building the, the vision, and um, same with the Morgan Wallen. You know, he came in as just a young young redneck from East Tennessee that just you know. Anyway, so the point is, but if we are in business, we make sure it is more than fair. I tell all of them. I tell every one of them. I'm like, you come in here and your business with us on multiple things, you'll actually see the benefit in the end. And and and, and we tell every one of them, go to your business managers, go run it all on a waterfall. And you make sure that what I'm telling you is right because if you then went and had your manager over here, your label here, your this here, you're actually going to pay more just so you know, mm-hmm. right? We're going to give you breaks in areas that we're in business with you and why would, we, why would we take it? You know what I mean? We're already, if you choose to be here, that's your choice, but you're never required to be here. Um, we found those who do, they they really loved it. Even, the, even the, one, the ones who aren't managed here, they love coming in the building to meet with their record label because i can't tell you how many artists actually would say that over and over and over you know you're usually trying to recruit the room to get on your vision ours come in here and they they, they truly feel like they're the ceo of their business and they're calling the shots and we just try to make sure they're staying right in that sandbox and going yep 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 and just <laughs> throw up the flag like, hey, we're out of the box here let's this isn't you know what i mean
2: so what's next for big loud
1: well things things are um we're we're, we're, we're hitting a really good stretch here right now on the label side i'm really proud about what's happening there we have um, three records in the top 15 on the radio chart right now Jake yeah. Owen Chris Lane Morgan Wallen uh, as you were mentioning Mason Ramsey's coming and I gotta tell you like we, we, we've started to get I think there's 10 10 radio stations they've been a little slow to get on him right Beca- get on this record because they think the same motivation you had to ask that question they assume it's novelty
2: Yeah,
1: and 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 you know what, they got no other reason to think differently because they haven't had a chance to meet Mason. And so my conversations on the phone and the radio right now and our team's conversations have been, listen, over this next year, you will have a chance to meet him. You'll get to understand it, but you need to know right now it's a real reactive record. We have to talk at least in the now, and then let's talk about what we're going to do the rest of the year so you get to understand him a bit, a, a bit more. The stations that have already started playing this song, Famous, it's out of here. It's the number one Shazam in every town that plays it. And so the story's now starting to spread like wildfire. So I would like to think... Over the coming weeks, you're going to start to see some big stations look to give it a shot. Nash FM in New York just, just added it, which, as you know, in our world, that's a, that's a top five market. You, you, don't, you don't just get that. You, you, know, you usually get that off data
2: right. and
1: information. And So this is an example right now where our, our analysts on the team who are able to share the information with us, they're screaming. <laughs> they're like, guys, you have to take this. So I think you're going to see another big year for Mason Ramsey or a a big year not another big a big year for mason ramsey and you're gonna see another big year that's what i meant to say for jillian jacqueline who on the label side i don't know if you're aware of her but she's a young incredible incredible with tons of credibility due to her songwriting she's a young laurie mckenna meets hillary lindsey incredible songwriter she put out a really uh neat critically acclaimed ep last year every tour in the country wants her because she's just so cool and so we're gonna release more music on her this year um we, we, we go heavy at the DSPs on that she has this great streaming base which will eventually translate to radio uh, it's, so it's gonna be awesome build another build year for her um, and then on the overall stuff Florida Georgia line we have a new album coming out uh, date to be determined we're actually this is actually um, I can sense it I've always been excited about every release they have but I can sense myself getting ten times as excited about what we're getting ready to do on this next album cycle because I um, you know, I, I, our, our industry's changing. We are, we are. in my opinion, this, this is my opinion, I think it will be everyone's opinion within the next five years, we are no longer a transactional economy, you know? Mm-hmm. You, 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 you used to put a song out to radio and we'd all scramble to try to figure out what is gonna peak so we'd have Walmart, Target, Best Buy, you know, mom and pop stores, Bed Bath & Beyond would take 2,000 CDs, we'd give it to them too, you know what I mean? And a Cracker Barrel. <laughs> and we would try to all have that all get shipped to those stores on one impact transactional date. Yeah. And those still exist a little, but boy, it's, it's going away. If it's not gone by 2019, it'll be the following year. So I'm excited because um, we're definitely getting ready to take a really neat, progressive approach to how we release the FGL music. And um, we're, we certainly are taking notes from, from acts from other genres who have zero physical consideration anymore that that industry is about mm-hmm. gone so you know for them we want to invest in the future and know where we're going just in terms of the marketplace yeah. country radio is a big driver for them and always will be moving forward And we'd like to break records with radio that's i didn't mean that but um if you watch how the chain smokers have i don't know if you've noticed this or not but it's a waterfall technique um i use it on a couple of small acts uh, and I, I took that technique from interscope records they did it on a small act of theirs and All it means is you're releasing a song at a time. Uh, It's an attention. Drake's been doing that. Attention-based economy. You're spreading. You're spreading your release out as much as you can. We still will have an album release date on FGL, but our goal right now is looking to release half the album into as singles Mm -hmm. along the way, Mm -hmm. right? And and maybe even try to peak two radio singles. So it'll be a strategy that will be fun to see how it works. I think there's things we'll learn from it, but I'm excited because I've seen it. I've seen how it's working for some other acts, and it it just your your streaming numbers get wide reaching because you're staying nimble, and the fans. You know, if you drop 15 songs in the fans in one day, who has time? Yeah. To, you, you're not really gaining fans. You're only yeah, feeding. Yeah. You're only feeding the core that you already had. I, th- this is. Don't ever assume you don't have any more fans to grab. You know what I mean? Don't release yeah. as if you're only feeding the core. That's when you might as well just yeah. start to decline. Let's not do so. That's what I'm excited about. FGL, man, they're brothers because they they think progressively and entrepreneurially and they it's um, they're very happy and, and, and feel blessed but it's 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 the grind hasn't stopped you know and they're gonna release music like their brand new baby acts and they're still going for it I love it so mm-hmm. it's gonna be a big year for them you'll actually get a lot of new new FGL music this year it's just around the corner you'll get a first batch and um, yeah I mean that's a good overview of what's coming, up, coming yeah. for coming I think that,
0: that comment yeah. about the drip drip method yep that was going to be my question. In in country, is yep. it heading in that direction? You obviously
1: mentioned that. It, I, it should. We we. I'll yeah. tell you what. It's, it's funny. Uh, some friends of mine at Spotify sent me some stories of other people claiming they were first to do the waterfall method, and and they were laughing because we were, we actually weren't the first. We were the second, and I knew right who I took it from. It, um, but I think people are now starting to be able to categorize that method. You know what I mean? That 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 um. Uh, that method is is new, and I think we've had some experience internally on some young and mid-level acts that it, it has grown their, their streaming exponentially. Mm-hmm. Now, it takes... it. You have to kind of wait to evaluate yourself once you get five, six, seven songs in when you're doing it that way.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, but man, we, every act we've done it with has been so happy and mm-hmm. how it's worked out. I think we'll be the first ones in the country music genre to to do it with an A-level act.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and
1: And then I think... It'll start to, you know, people will recognize that they're doing something a little different. They've never been shy to do that anyway, to, to, to kind of blaze their own trail, I guess. But this will be a new way we're going to try to do it. And I feel confident. I really feel confident that's going to work. Um, we have a lot of the same blocking and tackling that we that we have to do, right? We're setting songs up at radio, and um, we started to premiere some of this new music for our radio partners, and they're loving it. And so we're really, really excited. is always... Try to turn the turn the page a little bit on the first single, from their pro. That was the song "Dirt" and the song "Holy," which were departures for them and progressions. Mm-hmm. And this next one that's coming out just around the corner is another big progression for them. But th- that's always exciting when you do something a little fresh and new, you know. Kudos to you guys for tracking me down and doing this. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. And th- thanks we got it. Thanks. I think.
1: So let's <laughs> give a big hand thank, you. Yeah. thank you. Thank you. I'll have to come up and visit school at some point. Yeah. That'd be fun. No, that'd be cool. Yeah.
0: Come out to away New Jersey. Say, hey, Dave, what do Paul Sinclair from Atlantic, Tom Hefter from Ticketmaster, Rosie Lopez from Tommy Boy, and Heather Ellis from Pandora all have in common? They're all bigwigs in the music and entertainment industry, stay on And? They all hate warm beer. And? They've all been guests on the Music Biz 101 and More radio show at 8 o'clock on Wednesday nights. Bingo. If you want to learn more about the music and entertainment biz, tweet in a question and tune in every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock to Music, music Biz 101, 101 and More on, on Brave, Brave New, new Radio.
2: radio.